All right, welcome to this episode of Play the Music in association with Fan Label. Fan Label's the app where you create a fantasy sports style experience for yourself by opening up a fantasy record label and signing artists and songs to your label, rising to the top of the leaderboard, showing the world you know music, winning great prizes, VIP experiences, virtual royalties that get paid to your label that you can then spend in the marketplace on really cool stuff like artist merchandise and concert tickets and other really cool things. And got a great show ahead. Rich Sloan, you're with me today. I am with you, and I'm psyched to be uh, talking about playing the music in the way that we talk about playing the music, which is listening to the music and picking the artists and songs that are going to top the streaming category. So that's what it's all about. That's always fun. I love discovering new music, learning about which songs are successful, and of course, I love beating you, as I usually do. You love trying to. Uh, yeah. Well, and let me, let me, we'll get to that in a second. We'll see how we did. Now, we are going to have an amazing show today. We as consumers, you and I as lovers of music and others who consume music, we really hear only the tip of the iceberg. To use that metaphor, that's what you see, but there's so much going on beneath the surface that makes it all go. And today's show is going to focus on that, in that before you hear the final product, there's got to be a song, there's got to be an artist, got to be a producer. The song gets made in a studio. There's got to be a mixer or a couple of mixers who, you know, mix the ingredients to the final song that we hear. And then there's someone that does something called uh, the final mastering of the song. And then we hear it. And not until that final mastering is done do we hear it. And we're going to hear about the whole process. But in particular, going to have an amazing guest on, highly credentialed, has worked with some of the top names in the business you'll learn about in a second. We'll have Chris Geringer on with us today, learning about how songs get made. And then, of course, we'll do some song picking this week, Rich. We'll go back on the record, pick the song that we think is going to be the most successful as defined by streams over the next week. You ready? I am. Let's do this. Let's do this. We're going to do that for sure. And then, of course, we'll find out how we did last week. We'll bring on Mick Breggy. He'll join us for the song picking. And then Mick will bring us up to date on some of the cool new things happening with the Fan Label app and who's doing what, what players are killing it, and so on. All right. So, Rich, We've got a great interview ahead. With no further ado, let's get right to it. We want to hear from Chris Geringer. He's the Senior Mastering Engineer at Sterling Sound. Chris, welcome to Play the Music. Hey, thanks for having me. So first tell us this so people can understand a little bit about you and your role. So what does it mean to be a master engineer? What do you do? So mastering is the last creative step in the music-making process. It's where we take the final mix and make it sound as best as it can sound on its own and then in an album situation balance out the levels and the tone and the color of each song to flow through a whole album jeff this guy's clearly got a golden ear well you have to right yeah chris is it something that you have as a native capability of yours or is it something that you groom and perfect over time to know what that sweetened sound is see i think it's actually something that you if you find your way into the audio business and you really have a yearning or a passion for sound mixing is really a great way but mastering is also a great way of using your skills and i just think it's one of those things where like you were meant to be a mastering engineer. I never knew what it was when I was a kid, but I always knew I wanted to do this. And then to find out there was a job where you do this, you know, I consider myself really lucky. And, you know, not only that, it's nice to have the double entendre of mastery in any title that you have. Right. So that that's kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, if you say you're a mix engineer, a lot of people get that or a producer. When I say I'm a mastering engineer, they're kind of like, what is that? And then I explain it and then they're like, oh, 
okay, you know, it's like, it's a little different, but I think more people are hip to producer or mix engineer. And it's one thing to do what you do. That's so cool. And it's another thing to do it well, but then there's another thing to do it at your level. You're not just a guy that does this. You're a guy that's doing it at the highest levels. I want to make sure we break down the entire process. So someone writes a song, I want to hear all the way through to how, you know, by the time we hear it as consumers of it. But first, tell us this. You work with some pretty impressive uh, characters, you know, the A-listers, if you will. Tell us about that. Uh, Well, I just uh, was nominated for Album of the Year for Lizzo and Record of the Year for Lizzo and also Album of the Year for Lana Del Rey this year, a couple weeks ago. I didn't win, but, you know, my 13th nomination in those categories. It's kind of nice to just, you know, be appreciated, I guess. Man. You know, I'm not really, really cool. I'm not basing my career on an award or anything. They're nice, but, you know, it's people telling me they really love what I did on a record is like, that. that's, nothing can beat that, you know. And you're underselling yourself, because I know on the list there's also Selena Gomez, there's uh, Rihanna, I mean, we could go on and on, Drake, Cardi B, etc. I mean, Lady Gaga, how about that one? You know, incredible. Lady Gaga, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I mean, I've I've been really fortunate to work with some big artists. And, you know, when I started in the business, I was, like, doing punk music and heavy metal, and there was no money in it. And then I started working on this new genre called rap mm. that, you know, I just, I thought it was the new punk rock, and I really got into it. And I basically, you know, in the 90s, I made my career on being able to work on rap music. I got a question for you. If I had said to you, you know, back in the day when you were early on this thing called rap, and I said to you, okay, I'm going to create Chris's fantasy record label, and I'm going to have you put yourself in a position of picking the songs and uh, overarching, picking the artists who are going to become the dominant forces or, you know, super successful I'm just curious, as you look back over time, have you been able to make the calls, as it were? And would you have added the right people or right songs to your fantasy label? Or has it been really hard to pick the best hit songs over time? Yeah, for the most part, like when you hear a hit song, when I put a a file up now or a tape back in the day and I hit play, you know, within 30 seconds, you have goosebumps over Mm. a hit song. You just know. You feel it, you know, by the time they hit the chorus, you're like, wow, this is really like, this is, this is cool. There's been a bunch of people that I've thought were going to be really big and never turned out. And there are people who I never thought was going to be big and they're really big. So it's kind of, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, but I think for the most part, you know, for me now, like if I hear a song and I know it's going to, you know, I just like, I, I think I have that radar built in by now after like 36 years of doing this. So. That's incredible. That goosebump moment that you talk about, I just find that, I mean, for you, it's everything. That's the moment, right? I mean, that's the payoff. But that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And that's so exciting. And it, you know, it's pretty, it's rare. I mean, look at all the music that's produced out there. It's really hard to produce one that is a goosebump qualifying song, right? Totally. I mean, I work, you know, five days a week, eight hours, 10 hours a day on records like i'm just listening to music from all over the world all day and you know do i get goosebumps every day no i might get them once a month or right. you know twice a month right that's the point yeah. you know and then sometimes it could happen twice in a day it's just you know one of those it's one of those things that it doesn't happen a lot just like a hit record right and the variables that go into it are so vast i mean you know obviously 
starting with the writing, you know, it, it, both on the uh, musical side as, the, as well as the, the lyrics, you know, there's, there's got to be that happening. And then, and there's got to be quality there. And then it's got to, you know, they've got to match it with the right artist or, or the artists themselves that may have be a singer-songwriter situation have to be able to deliver it, you know, in a really incredible way. And then you've got to add the right instrumentation and, and mix and, and you know, but I mean, it's just so many variables. But when it does come together. Yeah. The funny thing about that too is that I feel like when a hit is a hit, it doesn't matter who like mixed it or who mastered it or what studio it was done at or what microphones or what amps or guitars or keyboards. Like when a hit is really a hit, none of that stuff is even like, you rarely think about it. You really just think about like the lyrics and the, and the vibration and all that stuff going on. And Now, having said that, Chris, and we are sober about this because, Chris, you are entering into the fray today being a guest on our uh, podcast today. Because every week we make our own best guesses about which song is going to stream the most. And as we do right. that, we not only have to assess what it sounds like you uh, you know have like the ultimate radar for the the which which might start with the goosebumps on your forearms there when you hear that hit sound but then you know True. to say it like it is it's so much more it's the moment in culture it's what's going on with that artist and personality it's what's happening yeah. with a promotional backing from your label or your you know your your social network or how big of a following you already have in order to because like Jeff said, there are so many new releases that come into the market that are vying for those slots, for those top positions. So it complicates things, doesn't it? I mean, that is all critical stuff in terms of defining what a hit is. See, and that's funny how what you just said about like the different markets. And when streaming first came out, I kind of felt like it was like, hey, anybody can find anything now because the algorithms are kind of like, if you like this, we're just going to take you there. And then reality sets in and you realize now people pay for algorithms and, you know, the powers that be may only send you what they want to send you or whatever. Sure. But I still think like if you find a song that tests well and everybody's just like, oh, my God, it's amazing. It's going to find its way to the top no matter what. OK, that's interesting. You know, it could show up as a song and someone, a producer or somebody else could hear it and say, hey, I want that for my artist. You know, and I've done that. I've done hit records for other people. The artist never comes out, and then months later, another artist does the song. I actually did it with that song, Don't You, by Pussycat Dolls. There was another artist who did it before, and the label just didn't feel like she was enough to support that song the way it could be, so they gave it to the Pussycat Dolls. Mm, interesting. Well, let's do this. I, You know, we talked about wanting to understand kind of the entire process and you only play in aspects of this process but let's i know you know it well obviously a song comes in they've matched it with an artist and they want to make the song and so the project comes into the studio right that's how it starts right sure and then you know obviously there's a producer assigned to be part of it and there's a you know the mix engineer and the mastering engineer all those people come in and play a key role in ultimately making the finished product but take us through it you know, what are the steps in the process and who does what along the way to make the song that we ultimately hear? From the beginning? I mean, yeah. I mean, it comes in as a project. Yeah, at the high level, I guess, today, you know, there are producers who are looking for artists. There are um, publishing companies looking to put songs out that they are representing writers. That all comes together in, you know, the big music power meetings and everything. But then once they find the artist, the producer, the mixer, or, you know, the studio, 
that just starts, it, it just starts happening. You go in, the producer meets the artist, they have an idea for a song, and it could be weeks, days, months, you know, it could be a long time before they actually get the product out because once the idea is created, you now have to, you know, start executing. Okay, so let's just focus on this first major part of the creative process, if you will. It's in the studio, we've got the green light, the producer's assigned, and now we've got to start making some music. How much latitude, and I know it's different from artist to artist and, and relationship to relationship, is different in situations, but generally speaking, what's the producer's role? The producer's role is to have a vision. This is the way I have always seen it. You know, a band would write a song or someone would write a song. There would be musicians to play it. You know, a producer kind of oversees what's done or the writer of the song kind of sees it all get recorded and tracked and everything. Today, it just may be someone with a beat and some alternate sounds to go with it to pop it up. You recreate that in the studio. You get all the stems, all the sounds, everything loaded up, and then you have your vocalist come in, and a producer would kind of, you know, direct the vibe of the vocals, the ad-libs, the choruses, the backing vocals, be like layering stuff, you know. The engineer on that would be in charge of collecting the sounds and trying to get different sounds or whatever through whatever instruments, mics, you know, recording situations. And then when it's all recorded, then, you know, a producer or maybe today there's a lot of guys who are like technical musicians who come in and realign everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They tune everything. You know, sometimes there are musicians and producers out there with great ideas, but maybe not the ability to execute them on their own. So there are a lot of technical guys who come in and clean stuff up. And then it goes off to a mixer where he would then strip it all down, clean it all up, and then start a rough mix, send it to a producer yeah. and say, hey, is this where we are? So when the producer says, first of all, I can imagine some incredible exchanges, if you will. Me, I can maybe say it more uh, with more emphasis than that. But the reality is here you got, let's say, a singer songwriter in the studio. That song is their baby. They got a vision for this thing. And all of a sudden the producer says, what do you think about adding some hand claps here? You know, or, or putting in a, yeah, a yeah. Yo, boy, I can just imagine. Uh, now, the, obviously, the greater the producer's credentialing is, I'm sure there's more leeway for the producer to be able to impact. You know, uh, but, but boy, an artist is an artist. And it's hard to let go and accept, I'm sure, some creative input, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the producer could be very focused on one aspect of the song and the writer is completely in the other direction, you know. Uh, I mean, there's definitely a lot of exchanging going on. I mean, most of the time producers and writers are kind of like friends or they hang mm -hmm. out a lot or, you know, there are people, they work in these small camps now, you know, they just get together and, you know, they exchange ideas. So there's already that rapport and that relationship and inherent respect. There's openness to each other's ideas and so on. Oh, yeah. I mean, I have a 22-year-old son that works in a studio right now in, in New York, and uh, he's a producer, artist, engineer. You know, he does everything, and he's really living his best life right now, being in that moment where, you know, one day he's mixing, one day he's recording, one day he's assisting, and every day he's in a room writing with other guys. You know, they write beats, they make choruses, they write lyrics, they do all this stuff all day. And then, as you say, you've got these tracks or stems, you know, let, 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 so I'm the producer and I get you to, let's just try the hand clap thing here. Let's just try it. Doesn't hurt to try it. Let's, let's lay it down, right? So you record it and you've got that as an option. Who makes the final call 
on what gets in and what doesn't get in. The final call is something I'm always wondering where it comes from, because there are, I can't tell you how many times like someone from the label is adamant about the hand claps and the producer doesn't want it, and mm-hmm. it goes back and forth. You know, maybe someone in the band wants hand claps flanged or something. Mm-hmm. It just, it's like I've received mixes before, like, you know, we do it, they change it. We do it, they change it. One time it was a flow rider track. I think we did 24 recalls mm. on the song. 24 recalls. Right. And I don't think the song, like if you listen to the first one to the last one, it's not that much difference because the, it's like, it's just certain things that you wouldn't think of. And it's funny when I get records with alts, you know, like sometimes I'm like, oh, I like the bass up version better. Or I like the, you know, the acoustic bass version or, you know, the whatever version, you know, the vocal up version. It's just those things where like, if you don't hear it, you'll never know. But me being in the studio, hearing all the different versions, it's kind of cool sometimes. And then there are pieces that get in and then there are pieces that don't get in, but then you have the mix. So they're in, but they're maybe, you know, a mile in the background. Uh, and then there's pieces that are way out in front. You know, there's emphasis as you go through oh, the yeah. song, right? So that's the mix engineer that's responsible yeah. for the mix of the various ingredients that do make it into the final production, and they're mixed accordingly. And as I say, there's emphasis on some things versus others, right? That's the mix. Oh, yeah. I mean, and that's another thing, too. Being the last person, I've received two, three mixes of the same song by different engineers, and the label can't decide who's to use till the last minute. I mean, the song is the same thing. Basically, the arrangement is the same. You know, all the music is the same. It's just the way a different engineer positions it all, and the effects on the instruments are different. And, you know, just sometimes, like, the whole vibe of the song is different because of the way the mixer did it. And that's really, really, that, I mean, that to me is like super interesting to hear because nobody's ever going to hear the other mix and it is cool too, you know? It's just like another thing, but the, I, I don't think the average person would get it. Some mixes are considered AC, some mixes are considered, you know, like pop mixes, some are, you know, club mixes, and they do different things, but the average person doesn't really get to hear that all the time, the difference between engineers and production and things like that. It's so interesting. And then you're doing this thing called final mastering of it. And tell us specifically from, you know, now we've got the production done, we've got the mix done, we've got a song. To master it again means you do specifically what? Basically, mastering is done through limiting, compression, and EQ. Those are basically the three variables that you, the three pieces of equipment that you use on the music. The EQ is to make it sound more pleasing or more balanced as far as frequency. You know, the hi-hat's bright, the kick drum is punchy, you know, the vocals are crisp, or, you know, you want something a little duller, something might have been too bright in the mix. You make those adjustments. The limiting and the compression is the glue to squeezing a mix to be at the right streaming level or at the right radio level. You know, back in the day, it was vinyl level and CD level and things like Mm -hmm. that. So that's what a lot of the limiting and level adjusting is for. Today, there's this thing called the loudness wars, which, you know, I guess I'm a prisoner of Warren. You know, by being the last guy, I'm responsible for the level to come out. A lot of people Mm -hmm. feel that the louder the record, the better it is, just because on a playlist, people have the apparent notion that if something's lower, it's not as good. I mean, I think that's the way people are in any way. Do you want a barrel of apples or one apple? You know, like 
people just mm-hmm. that's the way they think. Do you want a double cheeseburger or a cheeseburger? You know, you're gonna if it's the same price or whatever, you're taking the more. You know, so people always want this louder record to be pumping over everybody's music, and that originally started back in the vinyl 12-inch days where a house system could only go so loud. So if you had the loudest vinyl, it would play louder on the system. Guys in club mm. playing music at full volume all the time. So to have the loudest record, you would have the best bass sound, you would have the best top end. And that transcended into music after CDs came to an end and streaming music started. If your song wasn't louder than the song before, people like frowned on it. I mean, it's basically people in the music business because they're the only ones that care. The average consumer doesn't care about any of that stuff. But they're not the ones making the decisions. You know, it's producers, people at labels, you know, everybody who fears their product. They want to have some safety net if something doesn't go right. So they can say it wasn't loud enough or it wasn't this or it wasn't that, you know? Oh, sure. Right. And then there's that moment that you hear artists sometimes talk about that you also share in where the song goes out into the ether, it's released, and all of a sudden it does everything you thought it would and should. And that's got to be an incredible rush to have your artistry go out there and get public buy-in like that. There's another goosebump moment, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm old and jaded now. But, you know, back in the day when I first would hear my stuff that I worked on on the radio, you know, and it sounded good, it was, you know, it was totally like, oh, man, that's good. Now, with the amount of pop music that I do, you know, if I draw, if I'm in the car with one of my kids and uh, we're listening to the radio, you know, if we're listening to a pop station, I can hear, I've heard up to five songs in a row that I've done. So, I mean, that's, wow. Wow. That's, that, I mean, honestly, that's still something that, like, if it happened today, I'd still be like, wow, you know, it's pretty cool. Hey, I guess we got the right guy to talk to. That's for sure. Exactly. <laughs> Good job, team. That's amazing, Chris. It's really incredible. I love what you do. Actually, you know, I, I get so drawn in as I listen to the process of how a song is made. Man, I'd love to be more involved in that process. I know, Rich, with your creative energy, I know you feel the same way. It's such a, it's just incredible to make music, you know, it's cool. You know, that's what I love about the music business. It is, there are so many creative geniuses like our guest Chris today who are part of a business. The creativity and the business fundamentals that come together to create this industry, as much of a cluster as it sometimes seems to be, just makes it so compelling, so cool. I just absolutely love it. Much as I respect the film business as well, it's those two creative and business worlds coming together in a dance that puts that series of five songs on the radio in front of Chris when he's driving with his kid. That's really cool. It is indeed. You know, I think what it is, there are a lot of things that we put in front of consumers in business that they buy. Consumer packaged goods, you know, you're the soap that you wash your dishes with and all the rest. That's also really cool when you make a product like that and it meets with consumer success. That's very cool. That's good business. You know, as far as like, creativity and all the good stuff that happens here, there is a business side. I have three partners here for the studio. You know, we are constantly trying to stay ahead of the curve as far as technology, security, studio design, the ability to deliver files globally and deal with clients globally. We really put a lot of time and effort into technology and 
You know, I was at NAM a couple of weeks ago with one of my partners. You know, we're just constantly meeting people and talking to people about technology and where it's going. We spend a lot of sure. time developing our, our inter-office, the way our work is done, our workflow. All our managers are heavily involved in our software design as far as office work. Like today, a lot of people have a studio in a bedroom, and that's cool. You can make cool records, but... Here, it's like, you know, we're a global business, and we really pride ourselves on still existing in 2020. And it's such a competitive world out there in general. But I just want to close on this one point I wanted to make about the, the you know, it's cool to make dish soap, for example, and, and improve someone's life as a result of making a better product and having it get into the public consciousness and all that. And I had a hand in doing that. You know, that's really validating and exciting and everything else. The difference about music is that you're not just in some, in a lot of cases, improving someone's life, you're changing someone's life. You know, the, there's something about music that gets us so deeply, personally, whether it's you're saying exactly what I was trying to say in that song, and, and you said it for me, and now, you know, it's expressing what I feel, and I'm relating to it, and even down to identity and individualism, and that song is me. You know, I love that music. That's a part of who I am as a consumer, and, you know, we identify with it, we adopt it, we consume it deeply, you know? And so, Chris, that is the difference about, you know, it's one thing to be in business and reach consumers and get their buy-in and so on, but that's the thing about the music business and, and doing the work that you do and the manufacturing of a song, the power of it, and ultimately having it get out there is so thrilling because it's so personal. All right, now listen, guys. Chris, can you stick with us? Uh, we'd love to have you help us pick some songs in a second. Now, of course, we expect you. You've got some pressure, Chris. You just <laughs> said within 30 seconds, you know a hit. I'm in. I'm in. Okay, he's in. We got him in, guys. He's going on the record here. Before we do that, just to help you out a little bit, Chris, we're gonna now we're gonna bring in Mick Breggy here, the chief uh, designer, lead product guy on the fan label product. He's the guy that designs the app and creates the experience that our users have with the app. Mick, welcome. What's up, Chris? Uh, I just oh, wanted hi. to say it's so great to have you on. It's I'm good. I'm good. Thank you so much for being on uh, Play the Music. Everything you talked about, I was in the room just listening, and it was so interesting. Yeah, great. All right, now. So, Chris, thanks for being willing to stay on and uh, and help pick some music this week with us. Now, we're going to ask you to pick last because we don't want – all Rich will do is just follow whatever you pick. So, all right. Please. And we don't want to give him a leg up. Chris, just text me all during right. the podcast, man. I got the phone under the table. Uh, he's got all kinds of stuff going on. If I cough, <coughs> then he'll <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> there you go, except you're going to tip uh, me and Mick off to it as well. Right. But All right. Now, let's get right into it, guys. So what we do here, Chris, we've got five songs. Each of us are going to go on record and pick the one we think is going to stream the most. Our first option, song number one out of the five that we have this week, is a song called Fire and Fury by The Overcoats. Let's take a listen here. Okay, now listen. Now, Chris, don't say too much. But uh, uh, don't say too much, because we, we're going to, Rich will pick up on every nuance there and, and run with it. But this is a cool <laughs> sound, guys. What do you think? I mean, just in general, let's talk about the song. First of all, the, the Overcoats are a Brooklyn-based female band. They're, they're, you know, all, they kind of fall in the genre of alternative pop. And uh, they got a new album coming out on March 5th called The Flight. I thought it was a really cool sound. Yeah, I like this sound a lot. Chris, what do you think for that? Um, I like it a lot, too. Can I tell you I mastered it? You mastered it? One of my songs, yeah. This guy's everywhere. Okay, well, of course he loves it. And <laughs> and you know what? It's a good thing. We loved it, too. And uh, Hey, hey, Chris, here's what well, I have to say to you. We're only at number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right. Let's go to number two. We've got All In My Head by We Thin featuring Grandson. 
Stick with Mick, what do you what do you think? Mick, how's that grab you? Well, I'm wondering how Chris was involved in this one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, of course. I work with grandson. <laughs> of oh course you do. All right. Weathan is a 20-year-old DJ and a, a producer from Chicago. Uh, he's uh, He's got a new album coming out as well. Actually, a, a debut album, I believe. So grandson's Canadian-American singer-songwriter, musician. This is a powerful sound, too. What do you think, Mick? Yeah, no, I like that. I like how intense it feels, uh, yeah. and you can definitely get the the grandson uh, tone with that feature. Um, but I really, really dig it. I think uh, I'm curious how this plays out with the rest of them. So let's keep okay, going. Okay, we're going to do that. But Rich, any reaction to that? Yeah, I would say it's a good hard driving uh, song, moves you along. But, um, you know, just, this is uh, this is an opportunity for us to figure out what's going to stream the most. Let's so do it. Let's, let's, let's move right on. Let's consider it in the context of the others. You got it. Song number three, Drinks by John Langston. Falls in the country category. She Take a listen. ain't thinking about us. She's getting drained. And I'm getting drunk. All right. Really yeah. compelling lyricism. I was going to say, right, the lyrics. Right. Absolutely. I, I hey, listen. <laughs> I would say, right, right? That's what I mean about it. People can relate. That's exactly right. Now, John played football. He was at uh, Gardner-Webb before he became... Uh, really focused on his uh, uh, career as an artist, obviously in the country category. He's from Georgia, uh, signed on Luke Bryan's 32 Bridge Entertainment label, and that's uh, a powerful country sound, all right? So there's our country song. Let's move on, number four, Let's Be Friends by Carly Rae Jepsen in the pop category. Somebody say pop category. I think we did, didn't we? Yep. That was pop music right Such there, a fun right? Sound. It is. Uh, Chris, do you have any insight on anything you want to, without leading us, you know, don't, don't, don't give us any kind of big indication about how you think it's going to perform relative to the others, but any commentary on that song? No, I, I, really, I think Carly Rae Jepsen is really good. I really like her new stuff. Um, I'm a little surprised. You know, she, she hasn't been around in a while, and this album is, like, the music that I've heard so far is really good. It is. I agree. I'm actually surprised. Yeah, I think you said surprised. I'm surprised too. I mean, that first, you know, so many artists get known by the, uh, by the, the, it's almost like a blessing and a curse, but when you've got that one hot single, it's the one hit wonder phenomenon, right? And boy, did she have a big hit, uh, the um, Call Me Maybe, right? But she's That's been what, able to carry it since. I yeah. mean, all of her releases have been, have been super, super hot. And, and Carly Rae is our uh, family-able poster child for our mock-ups, too. We use her for, for right. most of everything. Right. Uh, that's just uh, for me being a fan. Okay. And with no further ado, song number five. This is going to be our final option in this week's opportunity to pick, the one out of five. Revenge. Joiner Lucas. Break, but harder to make. You get in my way, I'm drawing my gun. I'm not gonna play, I'm not for the games, I'm not gonna change. Put that on my son, put that on my mom, put that on my sis, put that on my bitch, and all of my, put that on my team, put that on my cheese. Right. Chris, do you have goosebumps? I like that. That's like the sound right now. That's the sound. That's the sound of the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah. Is that rap or hip hop? Um, I think that's rap. I mean, I think it's more like trap. Yeah. But that's my son's expertise. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Now, guys. We gotta go on the record here. Let's start with Mick. All right. Yeah. So I am. Uh, I'm torn. Four and five here. Let's be friends by Carly Rae Jepsen and Revenge by Joyner Lucas. I know both are going to be hitting pretty heavy this week. 
I do feel like they're, to- I mean, they're totally different sounds, first of all. Right. I mean, complete opposite ends of the spectrum between Let's Be Friends and uh, what Joyner's putting out for Revenge. But I really, really dig Carly Rae's sound on this track. And I do think that this has the potential to capture the most streams within this period. Right. Now, in opening up a fantasy record label, you have to have the same kind of discipline that you do when you open up a real record label. And it's not about the song you like the most. It's about the song or the artist that you think will be most commercially successful. That's a tough discipline. Right. So I'm going to give you my answer next just to help out my brother so he knows what I'm picking. But uh, I'm going to go next, but I want to tell you, there's a difference between the song that I would want to listen to. And there is one that stuck with me. Was there one that stuck with you? Yeah, it was Let's Be Friends. So I'm in the lucky category of digging what I'm listening to and uh, picking what I think is going to be most successful. You were bopping around when that song was Uh, on. I always cannot stop myself when Carly Rae Jepsen plays. All right, well, let me go on the record. uh, Actually, by the way, interestingly enough, the song I want to hear again, the one that stuck with me that I want to hear again is Fire and Fury. I don't know why. That song really... uh, that's the first song? That's the first song. I really like it. I mean, that's a song I would listen to. Now, that doesn't really mean that much, but it's interesting. So, Are you buttering Chris's bread? No, no. <laughs> now I'm going to tell you the song that I think will stream the most. And I'm going to go with Let's Be Friends, Carly Rae Jepsen. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I mean... Okay, so that's my pick. Poppy. Woo! So Mick and I ended up again uh, on the same spots. We're on that same song. Now, Rich, you're up. All right. So I will tell you that this is a complicated one for me. I'm going to place a vote, if you will, uh, and pick one. But I'm going to tell you that I actually believe in the other song in terms of uh, the, the legs that it'll have. So I'm going to I'm going to pick song number four, just like Mick and Jeff appear to have picked. But I will tell you that I think that first song is a is a more significant song. I don't know. I don't know exactly what I'm saying. And Chris, I don't I don't want to butter your bread, but I want to tell you something. It's interesting to me. The sound on the first song is amazing. Really, the guys, everybody's laughing at me because they think I'm really you know, but. I think the sound on the first song, and I guess you call that, I don't know, that's the mix, whatever, the sound. As a consumer, that's what I know it by. It yeah. sounds amazing to me. Right. A lot of time and effort went into that record, actually. It Chris, sounds like it. How would you compare the sound between even the nuance of both are a little bit poppier for Fire and Fury to Let's Be Friends? What are the differences we're listening to in both of those mixes? So I actually know, just off the top, the, the Carly Rae Jepsen was mastered here by somebody else. And I know the mixer of that. And I know, the, you know, obviously the mixer of the overcoats. Two completely different styles of mixing, but both top guys. And it's, you know, they're both really good. I mean, they both, they both actually match what the product is, what the vibe is. I think the Overcoats one was a little more risky by the label, but I really think the Overcoats one came out really good. The, the Carly Rae Jepsen Me too. One, I did. Yeah. It's, a, it's a home run yeah. no matter what. You know, right. like, it's just that's right. a really big pop song, and she's going to do well with it. And to give you some context, too, we listened to both of those tracks back-to-back on Rich's suggestion, even though Rich usually picks the worst yeah. on every... <laughs> we'll get to that. <laughs> he was on a roll for a while. But now, listen, Chris, you're up, you're up now, and you're the one everybody wants to hear from, of course. I mean, you already set yourself up with your 30-second... Well, first of all, your track record. But let's hear it. What do you What do you think? Me personally, I've really become a fan of the Overcoats. Uh, my manager went to see them Wednesday night and said that she was blown away. They actually opened up for a band that she went to see, 
and she was blown away by them over the band she went to see. I believe that. Yeah, she said for two girls, they completely like rocked the stage and like really were, were interesting to watch and put on a really good live show. I'm a new fan, and that's the cool thing about this is the discovery, right? I mean, I'm a new fan now so, of Overcoats. But okay, so you're going with the Overcoats, that's it? So I'm taking number one as my song, but I honestly think number five is going to be your best streaming song. Oh, wow. God, this is bad news. This is wow. bad news here. <laughs> That's wow. tricky. I, I have well, this, I have a feeling too. Well, just for the record, Chris, we don't allow you to be, be able to say "I told you so." Now, now you set yourself up nicely because if you're right on number one, you're right on number one. But if you're wrong and it's number two, you can say, "See, I told you." Right? Yeah. He's, he made two picks. <laughs> no, I know. We don't, we don't allow that. All right. You know what? I have, I have yeah. three kids. My oldest and my my oldest son and my middle son listen to hip hop. That's all they listen to. My youngest daughter, my daughter, listens to country now, and she's born and raised in New Jersey, and she just loves country. So it's so hard. Like, you really covered the, the, the field in those five songs. And, like, I'm thinking, like, what would my kids like? What would the, you know, like, I'm trying to think is, like, the average consumer. You know, for me, I like the overcome. Yeah. Yeah, I actually like the Carly Rae Jepsen song, too. Oh, no. Now he's got three that he's got right. Okay. Right. <laughs> I really no, do. Listen. Like, the other song was Grandson, and it was good, too. You know, like, who knows? Oh, he's, got a, he's covering the field here. He's really covering the field. <laughs> all, right. all right, listen. First of all, all kidding aside, what an amazing opportunity for have a few lovers of music like we are, have a guy like you come on and talk to us about your experiences and, and your experience and what you do and how it gets done. Really, really incredible. And we thank you. Thank you. No, I really appreciate you guys having me on. All right, this was fun. All right, guys, great. Thanks, Chris. Good luck to you, Rich. Good luck to you, Mick. We've gone on the record now. We've made our picks. Chris also joined us for the picks, and what a great group of songs. I think, Jeff, what you're saying to me is, you know, with that very gracious good luck to you, Rich, uh, it's really less good luck to you, Rich, than good luck to me, right? That's kind of how you're saying that. Well, in other words... Well, here's the thing. They're both the same because I think we picked the same song this week, didn't we? Oh, that's true. <laughs> if I win, you win. If you win, I win. So that's, oh, just, that's right? why you're being so magnanimous today. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks, exactly. guys. I hope you picked the right one, Rich. Yeah. yeah. And I really, I have to say, don't you want to beat Chris? Of course we want to beat Chris. Yeah, well, let's beat the expert. I was so happy to hear him pick a different song, so at least we have a shot to beat him. So uh, that right was now. that was really cool. All right, now, uh, moving right along. Mick, we've got to review last week's results. Yes, we do, and I'm feeling pretty good about myself. I'll bet you are. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, now, listen, let me just set you know, the record here. Before we yeah. jump in, what I'm not yeah. feeling good about is being on the same song pick this week as It's not as you fun guys. when you're it's on the not. same song. It's not. It's really I not. Well, and here's the thing. Let me just, uh, just to review, uh, here's where we are in terms of the record for the three of us. Rich hasn't been, I'm going to give him, give him an excuse here, a little bit of an excuse, but Rich has picked four right picks. Mick, you're coming in at number two with six right picks. Yeah. And I'm coming in with nine first place picks so far. All right. Is that amazing or what? That's kind of, it's amazing to me. Well, let me, let me, uh, let me put some context. Oh, did here. you have to put some yeah. context on So it? I've been on yeah. A little, just a few okay. less episodes. Okay. And That's I think I'm, I'm on a streak. Fair I, enough. I'm going to go to the studio. Have yeah. I lost a pick yet? Anyone? That's interesting. Mark, what do you think? Have I? Yeah. Uh, no? Someone? No. I don't, the answer is no. I, I, uh, that's that's. That's powerful. Yeah, I know. That's hard to, hard to argue with. I will just say too, in defense of my record, oh, here they um, come. I have definitely, I've definitely lost some. I've definitely lost some, but I also haven't. 
you, you know, you got to buy the lottery ticket in order to win the lottery. And I, and I have not been on as many podcasts right. as and you that have. was what so, Mick said as well. Right, right, right. All right. So <laughs> okay. I'm going to accept that from the two of you. Rich, I will say one thing about, first of all, Mick's track record is amazing. Now, about you, Rich, well, the one thing I like about the way you go at it, you do take some flyers now and then. You take some risks. You know, I tend to pick the obvious. Now, as a head of a record label, that's what you're supposed to do. Go with a song you think is going to stream the most. But I have to give you credit. You do, uh, you do make some interesting picks, and, and I like your— Interesting. Yes, yeah. you do. You, 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 you used the word interesting. Well, that, that, that's concerning to me. I mean, it's me. obviously, in, you know, there's a context means something here. else. Right. Crazy. Okay, yeah. okay. And all to right. uh, tie it back to the product, it's all about music discovery. So if Rich is discovering new music that that's he great. likes, all right. that's all it's about. All right, so let's see how we did in the last episode. Here we go. Uh, we've got the song that streamed the most was Boss Bitch by Doja Cat with two million streams. Here it is. I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. I'm a bitch and I boss and I shine like glass. I'm a bitch. I'm a boss. I'm a bitch and I boss and I shine like glass. I'm a bitch. Now wait a second. Are you sure I didn't pick that number one? That's a great song. I know. That's a great song. I know. I was shocked. All right. Mick, Mick. Yes. This is your moment. It is. There we go. There I you called go. it. You called it. You know. Oh, it's just, you know, you can't go wrong with Doja Cat. Man. It's amazing. Uh, song number two, Simmer, had 563,000 streams, about a fourth of what Boss Bitch had. Uh, that song by Haley Williams. You know what's cool about that song coming in number two? It comes in a category that typically doesn't stream as much, typically, right. generally, as, say, a hip-hop category or a pop category. That falls in the alternative category, 563 thousand streams song number three la uh kelsey ballerini four hundred and seventeen thousand streams of course the pop country category that's the song i pick but i don't know if i'm cool enough and what's worse than spending time alone is one of them that's a good song yeah and you know what that was what celeste and rebecca also picked they did on the last time as well and you know just to jump off your last point too alternative and pop country in the hundreds of thousands of streams in a week. And these are interesting genres to be seeing competing neck and neck with good some see. of our pick- hip-hop great picks. To see. Yeah, it's yeah. great to see. Yeah, absolutely. And then, of course, uh, song number four, uh, Some Kind of Disaster by All Time Low, 311,000 streams. I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a and closing it out uh, was Chapter with 139,000 streams by Christian Paul. It's a good song, too. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that's one of the things, and I think Rich made this point earlier. There's a lot of great music out there, and it's not always, certainly for us as individual consumers, it's not necessarily about what's the most popular. No, none at it's all. It's about what we like. Yeah, and as we keep bending these genres, we're getting closer to caring more about the songwriting and also who the artist is more so than just the track yeah, itself. Absolutely. I loved all the music in that. Uh, so again, Mick, you won. I was in it number two, along with Celeste and Rebecca. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was fun. Let's talk about features coming, new features coming in fan label. You're all, you guys are always hard at work, and we're always pushing the envelope, burning the midnight oil. So the first announcement for what's coming new to fan label this next month is updated fantasy contests. So we have a new way to play that instead of doing the draft like we currently have, 
it's going to be an entirely new way to sign artists to your label that's going to make you feel like you have a little bit more control over what's happening and give you a little bit more satisfaction like you are this record label owner and you are signing these artists to your You're going to be hitting label. on that very thing we've been driving toward, which yeah. is the idea of you own a label, in this case virtual, you're playing vicariously uh, you know, as the, the big executive. Yeah. You're going to make the decision, I'm going to sign so-and-so, and as they perform, you either win or lose. Right. It's going to feel a lot more like that experience yeah. of the simulation. Like really you cool. are in that hot seat. And you know what? It's going to be a lot different than it is currently. And we're excited to show our users, especially our long-term users who are at the top of the leaderboards, this new feature. As always, here's who's at the top of the global leaderboard this week. Number one, Lisa616 Records. Number two, Potato Jams. That's Lana. Number three, CK Records. I just want to make a point. The top three... Lisa, Lana, and Crystal, all neck and neck by just a few thousand royalties. Number four, T.S. Arbin. Number five, Greg M.K. Great show. Hey, thanks, Mick, for being on. Of course. Thanks thanks to Rich. Uh, Thanks again to Chris. Great show. Thanks, guys. Before we sign off, we want to thank our production team, Kara Oblenis, Kristen Kajawa, Andrea Garcia, Damon Nalamathu, Ryan Oblenis, and our engineer, Mark Pastoria. Download the Fan Label app from the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and play Fan Label today. Yeah.